Episode 44, Sunday, September 2nd, 2012. Welcome to the XJ Talk Show. And now here's your host, Tony Mutteroy on XJTalk.com. Hey guys and gals, mostly guys, some gals. Let's be realistic. It's great to have uh, some uh, female Jeepers and, uh, you know, female, female off-road types. But uh, we've got to be realistic. It's mostly us guys. Uh, that's kind of a shame. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, more women off-road is a good thing as long as they're uh, into that sort of thing. I don't know why they wouldn't be. It's adventure. It's a lot of excitement. I think that's the reason why we all like uh, going off-road. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. Although it gets better with experience uh, as far as predicting what's going to happen, but you still never know for sure. You can ask anybody that's rolled their uh, Jeep. Because <laughs> it... It wasn't what they were planning on doing, I can promise you. So uh, we got a pretty good show tonight. Not a great show, just pretty good. <laughs> so we'll get started here in just a minute. XJTalk.com. XJTalk.com. It's where you go when you're not off-road. Hey, this is Mark from DetoursUSA.com. You're listening to the XJ Talk Show. Yes, you are. And uh, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen to these podcasts. Um, I know that uh, I'm getting a lot of great feedback. I really appreciate that. It's, uh, it makes me feel like uh, I'm doing something that's worthwhile for you guys to uh, enjoy and uh, perhaps listen to at work or maybe to and from uh, work. Uh, maybe you're not working right now. There's a, a lot of people that aren't working, and uh, maybe it's uh, some uh, free, cheap entertainment for you. Hope so. Um, I've been uh, having a lot of fun doing this, and it's it's a lot more fun whenever people are, are involved and um, getting the feedback on how the show is. And, you know, please, if you don't like something or you don't like some of the, the new segments that we're doing, uh, or the interviews that we're doing, how the interviews are being done, you know, please uh, feel free to uh, voice your concerns, and uh, we'll have all that information towards the end of the show. So uh, I think a lot of people have been asking about uh, the uh, engine swap in my 98, at least on the site. I don't know if uh, how much, I, I forget how much I've actually said on the podcast. Uh, we uh, Matt and I changed out the um, took out the 98 4.0 and put in the 
uh, rebuilt uh, 4.1, and it's 4.1 not because of uh, it being a stroker. That would be a, a very minimal stroker if that was the case. It's only because it has uh, 60 over uh, the, the pistons, the uh, cylinders rather, were, were bored 60 over. So it comes out to be about a 4.1. So we got that engine in, and uh, record time, I think. Um, it was uh, it would have been 10 hours, but we had a bit of a problem. So we had to... Uh, take care of that issue and then uh, we had it uh, cranked after about 12 hours from uh, from beginning to uh, to end from engine out to engine in and starting and uh, the majority of that as i've said was uh, was matt not uh, not really me i was just there trying to uh, assist the best way i could i have done engine swaps before many years ago uh, small block chevy and uh, it was uh, i tell you it was a lot nicer if not a bit nerve-wracking uh, using the um, the forklift to pull it out. I mean, the forklift had no issue as far as lifting that engine out of there. My only concern were the nylon straps. I would have uh, probably put so many nylon straps, if that's what I was using, uh, around the engine that you probably wouldn't be able to see the engine. But uh, Matt, having experience in that, knew that uh, he could use uh, two straps to hold the front and the rear of the engine and then one strap to keep it straight so that whenever it lifted up, it didn't want to twist on us. And it worked out really, really well. Uh, and uh, there's a video up on YouTube showing the engine being taken out. And uh, it actually came out quite good. I was uh, trying to hold the uh, camera phone, uh, take the video, and uh, help guide it out of there because, you know, Matt was at the controls of the uh, uh, of the forklift. And and uh, it's a good thing he's good-natured because uh, at any moment I was expecting, put the damn thing down so you can pay attention to what you're doing. <laughs> but that didn't happen. So anyway, when we went to start it, it uh, it ran very nice uh, until we gave it some gas. And then it wanted to backfire. And, and in the, the first start video, you can actually hear that backfire and it dies shortly after that. Well, we found out that the the CPS that I thought was uh, like maybe a six months old uh, Chrysler CPS that that we that I wanted to put in there because I wanted the best thing on the new engine turned out to be one that was a bit flaky and that's my fault for not uh, not uh, labeling it somehow or or just throwing it away but you know even I think that one which I'm I'm almost certain that's the one I got off of eBay even at forty five dollars if it if it's work somewhat it, it's still still worth having because you don't know um what's going to happen and you know certainly without a cps the engine is not going to run so uh it wouldn't be an ideal situation but at least the engine would run a little bit so but i do need to get in the habit of marking them so i know exactly what i got i was able to find uh two of the three cps's i have so anyway friday we did all that saturday uh, uh matt after us talking about the CPS and, and the issues that we're having and me remembering about the CPS, Matt swapped out the, um, the, the, to the, the CPS that I was running on the 4.0 that I drove up there on and all the issues with, um, it, it kind of had a hard limit at 4k RPM. It just wouldn't go any faster than 4k. And also too, it had the problem with the backfiring and stuff. So when he put the, that other CPS in there, all that went away. But unfortunately, the crane anti-pump lifters that I looked up, and according to the crane cam that I was getting, these were the lifters to use. Well, 
uh, Matt was able to find some stuff out uh, probably Monday by speaking with Titan Engine that those things really are not meant for uh, a daily driver. They're more for racing, and they're actually better suited for higher RPM. So uh, the thing that Matt didn't like about them was they're really noisy. They sing, is, is how he put it. And uh, he said that that's just not something that he'd want to hear on a daily driver. And I know from the only thing I like hearing is the rumble of the exhaust uh, and the you know and the tires, the mud uh, mud tires going down the road. So uh, we uh, we decided that we were going to go ahead and get some stock lifters to go in there, and uh, those were ordered. And I requested two day delivery so that they would be sure and be in. Uh, for Monday, tomorrow. And uh, Matt is going to go through the uh, the fun thing of removing the head and um, the intake and the exhaust and uh, taking those uh, brand new fancy crane lifters out and putting in some uh, nice... Uh, they're not melling. I think they... Uh, we went through Rock Auto and mel- they didn't have enough mellings, but there was another brand that was uh, very similar. So they're just stock lifters. So he's going to put all new stock lifters in uh, tomorrow and, and button everything back up. And then hopefully by tomorrow afternoon, um, I will get the call that it is uh, ready to go. It has also has a bit of a running warm problem. And uh, Matt theorizes that that is because the lifters uh, are not opening the exhaust valve and probably the intake as well, but certainly the exhaust valve, uh, either long enough or wide enough, probably wide enough, to allow all the exhaust gases to get out. So that's causing the, the, the head temps to get higher and the coolant temps to get higher. And it's not like it's at 230 degrees or 240 degrees. It's just not at that, that 210 sweet spot. I, I kind of would expect maybe a new engine to, to run a little warm at first until it breaks in. Uh, not having experience with the 4.0, I don't know for sure. But I don't think Matt had that had that issue with his, uh, although his is not technically broken in yet because he hasn't put that many miles on it. So hopefully, uh, and frankly, I, I spoke with Matt last week and I, I felt bad about him, you know, going through all this stuff by himself. It wasn't the the idea behind this wasn't build me an engine, I'll drop off the the Jeep you get it all running and you call me back and then, you know, I'll, I'll pick it up and drive around and enjoy it. The idea was, you know, help me out doing this and I'll help, you know, I'll come help you with the engine swap and yada, yada. So, uh, my first choice would be to go over to Matt's shop tomorrow and at least stand there with him and, and be of some help or just talk to him or whatever, uh, be involved in the process. The only problem is, is that, uh, the shop is, um, 50 60 miles away depending on how you go and i the only way i have over there uh if i can't drive myself because then i'm kind of stuck with two vehicles and uh we all know how much that how much fun that is you get in one vehicle drive 15 feet get the other vehicle drive 15 feet and this takes you forever to get those two vehicles back now if i had a trailer it might work out okay but i i don't know that i would uh want to um do anything to my transmission on the uh on the, uh, I don't think I'd want to tow with a new engine either. Anyway, I don't have a trailer. So, um, so what I'm, what I'm going to do after speaking to Matt about it, he's just going to call me and let me know if he feels that it is in, in a shape where it can be driven 
from Conroe back to Haiti. And um, the the one backup to that would be is that <clears throat> if it can't be driven and uh, maybe it's still running a little warm and needs to be broken in, which I don't know how much of that he agrees with, with me on, uh, we have uh, plans on uh, putting on his trailer and uh, bringing it back here because when I drive to work, even though it's about an hour away, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to drive the highways. I drive the back roads. So uh, it would be unusual if I hit 60 miles an hour. And if I do, it's not for very long. It's, it would be unusual if I hit 50 miles an hour. It's really strange. I could take I-10 and Beltway 8 and uh, uh, 249 to get to work. And it's actually about 10 to 15 minutes longer uh, going, you know, 70, 80 miles an hour <laughs> than it is driving stop and go somewhere between 30 and, and 50 miles an hour. Um, it's just because it's a short, shorter route. Uh, the I-10 takes you down a little ways before you get on Beltway 8, and then Beltway 8 curves around before you hit 249. And 249 it goes a little bit, uh, maybe several miles past uh where it would actually be more advantageous just to turn and go straight north. It, it takes you a little further. So uh, it's longer, but it's shorter because of the, uh, the speeds that you can travel. Shorter in time, at least, I don't know, that's the way it comes up on the, uh, uh, on the GPS. Any, anything that's uh, calculating the trip for you, that they, they pick highways. But I've, it's, and it's that way both ways. It's, it's more dramatic going in. It can be um, 15 minutes quicker uh, in the morning going in but it's only about five to ten minutes quicker coming home so i guess this just has to do with the with the, the traffic flow and and who, who uses what i tell you what when i first started going that way though it was uh it was a little unnerving because um it's i don't know i think it's just really simple driving down highways because they have the big signs and you really don't have to pay that close attention but if you're using the the side streets you have to look for those uh, signs, and they're not very big. So it's like, well, am I getting close? And I didn't have my GPS at the time, so uh, I was just uh, trying to, uh, you know, do it, wing it. And I've, I guess there's like, uh, oh, five or six turns that I have to make. So it's, uh, I kind of did a little zigzag pattern on, on how to get to work. <laughs> now I know it. After a couple of years of doing it, now I know it. It's not that big a deal. But, uh, boy, at first, it was something I really had to pay attention to in the morning. Otherwise, I would have uh, made the wrong turn or probably gone past the turn. So, anyway, um, maybe some better news uh, tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I think one way or another it's going to be back at my house. Oh, and uh, still uh, a little concerned about the, the war- running warm uh, issue with the engine. I went ahead and bit the bullet and uh, placed an order for a all aluminum uh, two row radiator, and it will be here Wednesday. And uh, each each row is supposed to be one inch tube, and I wouldn't think that there's that much room in a radiator, but um, that's what it said. And uh, you know the brand escapes me; it's not a champion. Um, I can't remember right offhand, but it looked to be, based on what I was re- researching, it looked to be a good brand, and I, I believe that I had researched it before. It was uh, $180, I think, but the uh, the shipping from the place that I got it from uh, was like 27 bucks, so it's going to wind up being around two, 210 215 So uh, if it 
but if it if it does what it needs to do then it's well worth it now when i bought my 98 it came with uh, the upcountry package and a towing package which they may be part of one another i'm not sure uh, but anyway, it had the towing package on it, so it also came with a uh, transmission cooler, little factory, maybe two and a half inches, three inches tall, and maybe, oh, a foot and a half wide. And uh, it also came with a two-core aluminum plastic radiator. So uh, when I was having the issues with the running hot at highway speeds, there came there was a development that it looked like it might be a bit more advantageous to go with a go, go away from the brass copper three row radiator that I had and back to an aluminum plastic radiator at least temporarily to do this test so I made sure that I got a one row radiator that had very wide tube or I would say tubes had a very wide tube and I got that and put it in and it was like night and day the the issues that I was having running hot on the on the freeway went away and uh, now during the summertime it still will go above 210 and I think that probably has to do with you know the the, the, the tires the size of the tires the weight of the vehicle it may even even had to do with uh, some exhaust gas leak uh, leaks into the cooling system. So uh, I knew that I wanted to go back to a, a two-row, but I wanted to go with something. I, I knew I wanted to go with a two-row. I knew I wanted to go with aluminum, and if I could find it for less than six hundred bucks, I wanted to get an all aluminum just to do away with that plastic altogether. So, um, you know, digging around, I did find this one and it is, it seems to be very nice. And, and I should know very quickly if it's uh, a, a good enough radiator. And they, they list it as a 600 horsepower radiator. And certainly I'm nowhere close to that with, um, with the 4.1. Uh, if I'm over 200 and, you know, the 210, 225 range, that would be wonderful. So uh, I think that that uh, it may be overkill, but you know how our Cherokees are. You know how they run hot. I would much rather have uh, too much cooling than not enough. And with a 195-degree thermostat in there, I think it will be just fine. So um, I guess that would be an interesting thing to be, uh, interesting position to be in, actually have too much cooling on, on the, the engine. But I will gladly face that as a nice and welcome change from what I've been fighting for all these years. Um, the uh, driving the Cherokee is nice, but I haven't really been able to take it anywhere on the highway for long trips uh, because of the running hot. It's just not good for the transmission. It's just not good for the engine. So that's that. We'll uh, we'll find out more tomorrow. And uh, of course, if you uh, are already a member on XJ Talk, you'll see the post there about uh, what's going on with the engine i mean i'll uh, i'll be ringing bells and uh, uh dancing in the streets once the uh, my uh, my 98 cherokee is back with me and that damn miss that i was having at idle is gone uh, i probably shouldn't wor- should probably shouldn't have worried about it but that was really the catalyst for getting this new engine put together was to uh, uh have a nice smooth running engine and my fear was that uh, not knowing exactly why that miss was occurring on cylinder number one, 
that uh, something was going to happen to the engine and it was going to strand me and then it was going to be down. And uh, then that would be the time to say, well, it's time to either replace the part that failed, which uh, Matt believes that's probably a, a lifter that's not pumping up all the way. Um, replace that part, which of course means taking off the head, the intake, the exhaust, uh, all that stuff, and then replacing the lifters and putting all that stuff back on. And it's just, you know, if you're going to go through that much trouble, you might as well do a rebuild. Now, I didn't have to uh, go to the the extent that I went to uh, on this rebuild with buying all this new stuff to go on the engine, but I figured that um, if it's going to be done, let me do it right while I can afford to do it right. And uh, also to minimize the amount of time that it would take uh, moving the engine from one to the other because you don't have a lot of things to, to take off the old engine and put on the new. And, you know, come to think of it, I, I'm really glad that I went ahead and, and put the, uh, the new flex plate on there. Although when we were trying to diagnose why we were having that miss, I was thinking, my God, did I get the wrong flex plate or those little middle windows that are cut out in the right places uh, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, as it turned out, it, it was the right one. And um, it, I think it was a good investment because you know how those flex plates have a tendency to crack. So, um, uh, you know, it's very well possible for me to, to go and look at the flex plate that's there and look at it and see if it's cracked and say, oh, no, it's not. Let's use that one. And it wouldn't have really taken any more time uh, to move that flex plate over. But what are you going to do if it is cracked? Uh, that just holds up the, the process of getting the engine transferred over. So new flex plate. And it doesn't hurt to have uh, have the old one as a, as a spare, so to speak. And um, we um, probably not going to jump into this real quick, but the, the uh, goal is going to be to take the 98 engine, the 4.0, and rebuild it. And that way I'll have one for the 99, or the 2003 TJ. Frankly, I'd like to get uh, I'd like to get rid of that three that 0331 head that's on the 2003 TJ, but it's not causing a problem. It's running fine. But again, having an engine that is uh, ready to go uh, is uh, much more advantageous than uh, driving along and then having a failure and then trying to figure out what you're going to do. Now, if you've got plenty of vehicles, that's not that big a deal, but um, we have three and we have three drivers and uh, well, as long as we have uh, one vehicle running, we can get by. But obviously the, the thing to do is to have uh, all three vehicles running in uh, as good a condition as they can. And certainly the 2003 TJ is, is running very well and it's a lot of fun to drive. I uh, added a uh, LED third brake light to it today. So, uh, which reminds me, uh, I know that this is uh, the XJ Talk show, but uh, we also have uh, a website for Wranglers, and it's wranglertalk.com. And uh, if you know of somebody with a Wrangler, and you know everybody does, I don't care what you, what negative things you want to say about Wranglers or Wranglers or, or whatever, they're fun vehicles, they're Jeeps, they're certainly very good off-road vehicles. And I know some of the Wranglers uh, owners uh, seem to have an attitude towards the uh, the soccer mom uh, Cherokees, <laughs> and and I think that that if they know anything about the Cherokee or if they've wheeled with one, um, it just has to, it would have to be because of jealousy at that point because 
the Cherokees are much cheaper, but just as capable off-road vehicles than the uh, the TJs. Uh, I mean, the TJ that we got, I got a good deal on, and it was ten five, and you know that's a two thousand three. So that's an old vehicle to spend ten thousand five hundred on. Now it was very nice, and it is hard top, hard doors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, it was a eleven five, twelve thousand dollar vehicle, and uh, the only reason I spent that much money is because the wife and I had wanted a TJ for a long time, and uh, we were going to get one. And I was lucky enough to find uh, a good one. And it still is a good one. So it's doing well. I need to change the oil on it, though. But, you know, <laughs> with three with three Jeeps, I'm almost always going to have to be doing something on the, on the silly things pretty much every weekend. But, uh, you know, these folks that have uh, more vehicles than that, I don't know how they do it. Uh, I guess uh, not driving them would make a big difference. You can have a bunch of vehicles, but... Uh, just the insurance alone. I need to get one more vehicle, and I'd like to be like for it to be another Jeep. But then again, with uh, the un, you don't know what's going to happen with gas prices. It would be kind of neat to have something that is uh, a much better uh, gets much better gas mileage because then worst case is uh, it would kill me. But I, the worst case is I could drive uh, back and forth to work on the uh, thirty mile per gallon vehicle, uh, and then. Uh, uh, the family, uh, high school, college, uh, my wife going back and forth to the store, it'd all be pretty much local. So the gas would last a lot longer since they don't drive, uh, 20 miles a day like I do. And yes, if uh, you're putting that math together, 20 miles to work equals an hour drive. So that's why I like listening to podcasts, <laughs> get some information, uh, Listening to music is okay. Well, you know, I'm going to do a, a quick rant about this. Um, since since last Friday, I haven't had my Jeep Cherokee to drive to work. So all the little niceties that I have set up in there so that I can connect my smartphone to the radio and listen to podcasts isn't there in the TJ. Uh, it's it's possible to be, to be there, but I really didn't think about moving the cable over and making sure I had everything needed. I just was... Uh, going to get in the TJ and drive back and forth to work. And, you know, I understand some of you guys like this. I don't. I don't like listening to all the morning show chatter. I just want to hear some songs, some decent songs. I don't want to hear all this crap that that they're talking about Beyonce or the, the latest reality show or whatever this this crap that they're they're talking about. La 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 la. I know podcasts are like that, but podcasts to me it's a show that I've I've chosen and it's a subject that I'm interested in. Whereas I'm listening to these um, I don't know, these this crowd of people, usually two or three people interacting, having conversations, uh talking about uh, this, the latest concert, blah, you know, okay, I'm old. I understand that, but just shut the hell up and play some music. I don't want to hear you crap. And, and if they all weren't like that in the morning, I could find something. I, I was even listening to a country and Western station and, uh, which isn't my first choice for music. They do have some, you know, there is some good country and Western music, but, uh, they were even chatting their asses off. Just shut up and play some music. Now, when I was driving home, it's not a problem because 
You know, it's not that not that morning talk show crap that they've got going on. I would, you know, I would even rather listen to to the uh, local news, uh, t- television news, and uh, I mean, it would be I would like to see the picture too, but I would rather just listen to local news than I would to listen to that banter that goes on. Anyway, that's the Houston area. I'm I'm sure your area has something something similar because that morning talk show crowd is so popular. Hell, I, I think I would just rather talk on the radio, but of course the TJ's not set up with a ham radio, so I couldn't do that either. Anyway, that's why I say I've I've kind of got my Jeep all set up. I've got all these little avenues of things that I can entertain myself with on that hour drive to and from work. So anyway, uh, that's I guess that's enough of me bitching about things. <laughs> well, uh, tonight's interview, we're going to have uh, Josh uh, NW Northwest 99XJ, and uh, we've got a couple of more really interesting uh, interviews coming up along with uh, Josh tonight. But before the interview, we're going to have uh, this week's Jeep Tip. This segment sponsored by fourwheelingplus.com. Do you own a Jeep? Do you need help getting it up? Check out fourwheelingplus.com for great deals on Jeep lift kits. That's the number four, wheeling, plus, P-L-U-S, dot com. Son of a bitch. Jeep Tips. Well, this Jeep tip this week is going to be about uh, your cooling system. We've uh, covered thermostats. We've covered uh, uh, engine cooling. And uh, I think it's uh, kind of important to mention uh, about the dreaded lower radiator hose. I I had on my 98, I had it go out on me. I think that was the first hose that went out on me. And I'm sure that's because that's where the the main force from the water pump is, uh, is forcing the water out. Uh, of the water pump and down into that lower hose into the bottom of the radiator and, and then back up through the top radiator. But I had a critical failure when uh, just after buying the uh, new to us 1999 Jeep Cherokee. Uh, it was running great and uh, I authorized the vehicle to be driven from our house uh, 20 miles to my wife's uh, mom's and mom and dad's house and uh, it got uh, almost all the way back before the lower radiator hose completely split. So, uh, certainly before you do any long trips and, and if you, like I did, purchased a, <laughs> a, uh, 99 Cherokee or any Cherokee for that matter with 140,000 miles on it, you don't know when that, uh, that hose has been changed and you know, they're not that expensive. So change both upper and lower, uh, anytime you buy a, a used vehicle and certainly before you go on a long trip. Uh, obviously, if you changed it two or three months ago, then it, it may not be relevant to uh, changing it, but it doesn't hurt. It's cheap insurance. And uh, if, you, uh, if you must, you can always take uh, a couple extra hoses. Uh, you know, you can save your old hoses if they're in a decent shape and carry them with you. Uh, just a, a screwdriver to, um, if you've got the uh, stainless steel bands, which I recommend, that would uh, be easy to take it off and on. Then the only thing you'd have to worry about is water, getting the water back into it. Because when you take that lower hose off, most of the uh, water is going to come out uh, of the engine block, at least enough for where it's gonna not going to be able to cool it properly. So you could always carry you a couple of uh, uh, old, uh, well, I guess you could buy the new stuff, the new antifreeze, especially the 50-50 stuff, and carry that with you. It would be sealed and probably wouldn't leak in the back of your Jeep. At any rate, uh, the other thing I want to talk about is uh, flushing your system. Now, 
I, your cooling system. I personally have never bought one of those cooling systems where you split one of the, the uh, heater hoses and tie in your uh, um, your uh, water hose into that and actually flush the system. And I have heard uh, or read horror stories about people uh, losing their uh, heater core because it's forced too much water through there, too much pressure, and it will, or even the chemicals that are used on those kits can uh, take a uh, heater core that's marginal and cause it to start leaking. Of course, it may already be leaking and you're just not aware of it. It may be leaking so slightly. So you got to be really careful with those type deals. And, and actually, it's a good idea to get in a habit of every uh, year going through and uh, cleaning out your coolant system. I know that whenever I bought my 98 new, that it was only about uh, two years old and it was red, brown, muddy water. And I should have taken care of it. I just assumed that it was new and that must be something new that they're doing with the cooling. And, and perhaps the, the, the coolant that came from the factory was a reddish color. I don't know. But uh, after I uh, had some uh, major cooling issues with the system, I, uh, I did get the, the water hose out and uh, I would uh, run the water hose through the radiator. I uh, ran the water uh, easily, just not fully in, in inserting the hose into the heater hose, taking the heater hose off and uh, running water through it. Uh, actually, I took both heater hoses off so it would actually circle through the, um, through the heater core. And I got some pretty good junk out of that. But anyway, I would uh, run it through, fill it up, uh, run it a little bit, and not, not really enough to get it hot, and then drop that lower hose and let all the nasty, muddy, red water come out of it. And uh, I'd button it back up, fill it back up, button it back up, and drive it for a couple of weeks, and then do it again. It took about three goes to get nice, clear water uh, in, the, uh, in the coolant system. And it's been that way for years now. And then, of course, you add, uh, I didn't add, it was around the summertime, or in, here in the Houston area, it never gets that cold. So I never have to worry about the antifreeze that much. So I ran just pure water in it, and uh, after I got it all clean the way I liked it, then I added the antifreeze to it. So take care of your cooling system. Don't let it, just don't assume that the factory is going to have taken care of everything for you and it's going to be fine. Uh, I would uh, have a look at my cooling uh, at least once a year, and it's not a bad idea to clean it out and put in new antifreeze at, at least uh, every couple of years, maybe sooner. And now for a disclaimer. Jeep Tips is for entertainment purposes only. If you choose to follow these tips, man up and take the responsibility for your own actions. If you cannot or you feel that working on your Jeep is beyond your abilities, seek the help or advice of a trained certified mechanic. So we have Josh, NW99XJ, which uh, is Northwest 99XJ, uh, on the interview tonight. Josh, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Tony. Well, Josh, what's, what's up in the world of XJ, specifically with you? 
Well, um, the uh, my personal build is going along uh, quite well. The last uh, few months, I say, would probably be the greatest amount of progress that I've had in the build so far. Um, had my Jeep for uh, well, better part of three years now, I suppose. And uh, I don't know, it just uh, sort of the the cards fell right. Uh, things were coming together, and deals happened, and and I was able to to make some big strides. Uh, what what year Jeep is oh, it? It's a '99. Um, it's a sport, uh, so it's got power everything. Uh, no power seat, no leather, so it's just uh, one step down from a limited. Uh, one thing that it does have. That I don't, I'm sorry. I guess I, I never really understood the differences between the different models. I have the classic, which uh, I don't know what that equates to. Um, I, I read the the classic is often the uh, the death sign of a model. <laughs> when they start calling it a classic, it means that the the model is going out, and that, that certainly happened. So yours, it's a, yours is a '98, is that right? Yes. Yeah the the '97s um, were primarily SEs, but they did make them across all other platforms, including the Limited, from what I understand. Um, the so the classic um, I think was carried through '97 and '98. And I, I'm, I read somewhere why they went with th- with that, but I don't recall them using it again after '98. I think you're uh, right. I don't remember seeing a '99 classic. Yeah, and so um, the SEs were the base model. That was, you know, you know oftentimes there wasn't even carpeted, uh, carpeted floor in those. Uh, so you got, you know, manual windows. Um, I would assume power steering in all models, but I, you know, I can't remember exactly. But yeah, no power locks, no power windows, no uh, cruise control, and uh, don't know about the air conditioning in those either. Well, you know, it's really interesting. I've I've never really even gone and looked it up. I just uh, I guess I just kind of went with uh, with what I have and what I know, and uh, being a little um, um, like I don't care attitude because you know what it doesn't really affect me. But uh, that's interesting. I, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't get leather. I would rather not have leather. It's just leather sounds hot. Yeah, it does sound uh, sound hot and sticky. Yeah, uh, sticky. And and here in the uh, lovely Pacific Northwest, where where we have plenty of rainfall, uh, mud and leather, from what I understand, don't mix too well. So it would be a constant uh, constant cleaning procedure, keeping that uh, nice and tidy. I bet. Well, the cloth, I guess, would uh, would hold um, the the dirt and any water that you might get in there. I don't yeah. know. I don't. I don't know how these guys run through run the jeeps through the, through the water like they do. That would just Man, but of course, mine's a daily driver, so that might make a di- might be, yeah, might be mine, a big difference. Mine too, and uh, uh, I'm a member of you know several several sites and, and clubs, and there's a there's a big Jeep community uh, here in Oregon where I'm from, and uh, several of the guys who who I wheel with on a, on a regular basis, um, they have some of the older models that you know they're it's not a daily driver, so they they trailer it up or they drive it up to the trails and stuff doorless, uh, oftentimes year round. Uh, and you know, there's, there's plenty of mud to be had up here. Uh, and although we have, you know, pretty much every terrain combination you could possibly ask for, uh, these guys running doorless, uh, you know, in the middle of you know, February or March or something like that. Uh, and, and they're just covered by the end of the day and they, the interior is covered and stuff like that. And they don't care cause it's not a daily driver. Uh, but I just, I don't understand how they do it. <laughs> yeah. The doorless thing, I guess that's really good for rocks and whatnot, but, uh, it sounds like it would be well, uh, very could be very cold up there with where, where you're located at. It might be yeah, cold. I'm, it might be cold two days out of the uh, out of the year here, though. 
Yeah, you got it lucky. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It'd be nice to have something kill the mosquitoes. Yeah, we don't have the bugs here too bad, uh, usually. Uh, of course, it, it all depends on you know on the year and the weather patterns and all that. Ever considered suicide up there? I hear all the rain will, uh, at least I guess that's for the, uh, maybe that's just for um, the, uh, God, where is it? Uh, Seattle. I haven't been um, in much of the terrain up in in the Washington side of things. Um, I, although I was uh, born and raised up in the Puget Sound area, um, after my teenage years I sp- and since, I uh, spent all my time here in Oregon. And so uh, I, I'm not super familiar with a lot of the stuff up in Washington. However, um, several of the guys uh, that I'm friends with have been tra- uh, talking about uh, doing some exploration up in the, some stuff in southwest Washington and up in uh, central Washington and stuff here recently. So uh, I think we actually have a couple of trips planned coming up in September where we're going to do some exploring of uh, what Washington has to offer for off-road trails. Well, from what I understand, of course, the suicide thing was a joke. But from what I understand, boy, that is just beautiful, beautiful country. And uh, I, I can't imagine how anybody would uh, – <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just full of life, uh, all the greenery and, and – and even the the wet having to do with it. Well, you're going to need to post up some pictures. Yeah, and I uh, I usually try and post up a couple of pictures in my build thread. Um, you know, from my from my various trips. Um, uh, usually, I'll do a, a separate thread for a trip report of a planned trip. Um, if it's just an impromptu, hey, let's let's head up to the mountain today, and uh, then I'll usually go ahead and, and leave the camera behind, uh, or you know, I won't go super pick heavy. And take a bunch of pictures because uh, I I do enjoy driving. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really hard. It's almost like whenever you're working on your on your Jeep, it's nice to be able to take pictures and show people how things go together and and so on and so forth. But it's sometimes it's a little hard to do, especially if it's uh, if it's hot outside, like for me. And I just want to get done, damn it, and come back up here and sit in front of the computer under the fan. Um, yeah, I, I there's been times uh, where. You know, I'm in a particular you know phase of a build you know, or a project, and I'll start you know with a couple few good pictures, and then all of a sudden the progress really gets rolling, and I forget you know I'll get that one track mind, I get that laser focus, and oh shoot, you know here I are you know here I am two three steps from the end, and I've forgotten to take all these pictures. I'll, and I'll be damned if I'm going to take it apart. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> Sorry, guys. This is going to have to be replaced by words. Here's the before. Here's the after. And the after maybe six hours after it's done when I remember. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's uh, uh, recently, and I think I've talked about this before. (laughs) Recently, I was was correcting my wife. She says, yeah, I just tell your mom you just love working on on the Jeeps so much because you're always out there in the garage. You know, I've got three Jeeps now. And, and I said, almost with a bit of hatred in my voice, I don't like working on the Jeeps. <laughs> I do not like working on the Jeeps. Oh, well, you're just out there. I said, yeah, there's stuff that I want done. And, yeah. you know, you can't afford to have all this stuff, have somebody do it. And then even when you do, uh, inevitably, they don't do something right. So, you know, and it, I, I don't want to take it. I don't want to stand. And, and I'm not just going to leave the leave the vehicle there to be worked on. I'm going to be standing there. If I'm going to be standing there watching them do the work, make sure it's done right, and and uh, uh, so it so I don't have to take it back and make sure things aren't damaged or missing, then you know what the hell? I might as well do it myself. But no, I don't. I don't enjoy working on the Jeep. I like, I like the way it feels when I'm done with it. 
and know oh, yeah. and I know the job was done and I know that I did it, but I don't like the the process. Well, I don't I don't come from a a wealthy background, so I've you know grown up uh, ever since my my first car. Um, working on all my own vehicles, and I'm I'm not an you know ASE certified mechanic by any you know stretch, but um, but I can do just about anything, and it's you know having you know several vehicles over the years, and having to do this, that, and the other thing to to you know any one of them, and you know of course helping out friends and stuff with their vehicles and projects and stuff like that. Um, I've never really had a need to take it into a shop, let alone the want. Um, because you know whether I don't want to spend the money or I would rather do it myself, one for the learning experience or two, um, you know, so that I know that it was done right or I know you know what exactly went into it and stuff like that. And especially since I you know I got a Jeep and this this Cherokee is my first Jeep. Although I've I've helped with builds on other friends' vehicles um, with their Jeeps and stuff, this is my own first personal build of a Jeep and. So I've I I did a lot of research going into it, knowing that I was going to be doing a lot of the work myself uh, throughout the whole process. So uh, actually, what got you into the Jeep to, to begin with? Was it uh, seeing uh, the other Jeeps that your friends had, or uh, exactly well, how you, did you go with the XJ? Well, I'll tell you the truth, I, I've been a Jeep fanatic for most of my life. Um, my grandfather owned a, a Jeep dealership when I was a kid. And so he had, he had an old Woody Wagoneer back in the day. And one of my, you know, first fondest auto memories was sitting on his lap steering that big old boat. And, uh, you know, ever since then I've been a bit of a car nut gearhead and, um, growing up friends had gotten a Jeep, friends of the family had Jeeps and, you know, there was, there's just something so cool about in, and not necessarily with an XJ, but in like a Wrangler, top down, cruising down the road, hair, you know, wind in your hair and stuff like that. No doors, being able to throw your foot out the side of a moving vehicle. It's just cool as all heck. And so, you know, that 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 neatness, that fondness, that that coolness about Jeeps has been instilled in me for as long as I can remember. And so, I I never I never really pursued it actively because I've always had access to a Jeep fix, more or less, more, more so through friends than anything. Um, and it wasn't until uh, I, I kind of got laid up with a, with a back injury and was down for a while after, after a major surgery um, and uh, came into a little bit of uh, money from that, um, that I was able to you know, purchase my first Jeep. Um, and I chose a Cherokee uh, for, for several reasons, uh, mainly because you know I had a family and and it was more logical. I'd owned SUVs in the past, um, but also because of storage space, and that was probably the primary primary factor uh, in the XJ purchase. Um, but I had done uh, better six months of research just on the mechanical side of of Cherokees uh, and the and the four liter in general. Um, before I made my purchase, familiarizing myself with what to look out for and and uh, and you know what's good, what's bad, what to stay away from, etc. Before I stumbled across this one, and this was the one of three that I had narrowed it down to when I finally made the purchase. Were they all ninety nines, or did they were they various years? They were all late model. Um, uh, I think it was ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, um, and I had. I had set on a 99 beforehand because, uh, and no offense, I'm sure I'm going to piss some people off with this statement, but well, in my mind, 99 is the best year. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, that's the same with me. Um, 
because of the the intake and the the year before they went to the 0331 head and yep. you know etc so i agree with you uh and that's yeah, so the reason I, why i got the 99 that uh, that i bought uh, here about a year ago and this one was uh I, I had looked at it and i i had passed on it because um the it, i i would have been the well i am the third owner um, but when I looked at it the first time, it, you know, I had a ding in the fender. It wasn't in mint condition, you know, I, and I, I had passed on it for a couple few other reasons. Oh, the air conditioning didn't work. Geez, you know, this thing is going to be more trouble than it's worth. You know, I want something that's going to be pristine. That's, you know, almost showroom quality. And I don't know what the hell I was thinking, honestly, but, um, you know, looking back and then I'd looked at, you know, a couple of these others that were, you know, they had higher mileage. One of them had a lot of rust on it. And I knew I didn't want to get into a vehicle that had rust, uh, so I came back uh, to this '99, and I bought it from a from a chick who had gotten it from her parents. She was a little college girl who was using it as her commuter, and decided she wanted a little Honda car, uh, something a little more you know commuter friendly. And I was more than happy to take this off her hands. Uh, so that's uh, that's the story behind uh, the purchase there. If you don't mind me asking, how much did you have to pay for it? Uh, it was three thousand. Uh, and it had, I want to say, roughly 112000 on it, give or take. Uh, but it had a full Carfax vehicle history report on it, um, which I had found um, had a full transmission rebuild 20,000 miles before I had bought it. Interesting. So that was a, a, a massive plus in my favor. Um, she was asking thirty six, I believe, and I talked her down. Because the sunroof that is in it uh, wasn't working at the time, um, but I had kind of poked around, and there was a couple other minor things that I had pointed out that uh, that were you know some electrical issues that that I was going I knew I was going to be able to easily fix, um, and did, uh, and so I talked her down from the thirty six to three, and and uh, we had met up a few days later to to make the deal. I had her come out to my place and. Uh, her her mother escorted her and was, you know, one of the helicopter moms, so to speak. You know, hovering over every you know letter and and number that was drawn on the paperwork, making sure every I was dotted and T was crossed, and probably more than she should have because she was she was making her daughter nervous as all hell. <laughs> I bet you she was nervous most of the time anyway. Yeah, probably, uh, probably, but uh, but no, the deal went smooth and and uh, had the jeep for. Probably six months. I had the Jeep for, I think, two weeks before I actually bought the lift kit. And at the time, I was living in an apartment. I'm sorry, how long? And, uh, well, I'd had it for six months before I did anything to it. Okay, and I good. had it for two weeks, um, and I had bought the lift kit. Um, and I had, I had done some research, and I had, I had gone to the, my local four-wheel parts store, and, uh, and I had a little bit of cash saved up and after the purchase and stuff. And... Um, and uh, looking back, hindsight, I would have done things differently, but I'm, I'm glad I went the route I did because uh, I learned a lot. Well, let, uh, let, me, let me back you up. Let me make sure yeah. I understand. You didn't do anything to the Jeep for six months, mm-hmm. but two weeks after you purchased it, you bought a lift kit. Yes, sir. So you, so <laughs> you lift- sat on a lift kit. For, I sure did. For five and a half months. <laughs> yes, I did painfully. <laughs> that, all yeah, those that's what I was and- thinking. That was, uh, I was going, oh, God, look at that. It's, there it is. You know, I'd be arranging parts on the floor. Ooh, yeah, this is what it, oh, you know, 
For, I was, I for was five like, and a okay, half months, kid, I'd be in hell. Kid with like a Lego <laughs> set, you know, I was laying it all out and taking pictures and stuff. <laughs> I thought I was catching, I thought I was hearing what I was hearing, but I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and some people would be like, you're, you're out of your goddamn mind, you know? <laughs> and no. So that's, that's how it happened. I had, I, you know, it was timing and, and I was coming out, um, from, from a back surgery. Yeah. I was thinking so. about that too. If you're injured, you know, but at least you have the, you have the stuff. So what lift kit was it? Um, it, it was, uh, primarily pro comp. Um, and I, and like I said, going back, I probably would have done things a little bit differently. It, it'd be, but I wanted to do this in stages one, because after the purchase of the Jeep, I didn't have a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I couldn't dump a bunch of money into, um, you know, wheels and tires or, or tires, even larger tires and, and a larger lift kit. Uh, plus there were so many other things that I knew I was going to have to address once I did lift it. Right. Um, and, uh, and so I, I started off small. It was a, it was supposed to be like a two and a half or three inch lift kit. It netted me an easy three inches. Um, if not a little bit more, especially in the rear leaves, um, which I still to this day, I'm running the three inch pro comp leaves in the back and I, they never really settled. Um, and, uh, now I've got, you know, two inch shackles on top of those and, and the rear is sitting, you know, five inches or so above stock and, the fronts, I'm running a, a six-inch TJ coils, uh, which netted me about five to five and a half inches over stock. Um, and so that's, the, that's where I'm at right now as far as lift height with it. But um, the, all the components uh, of the lift are still primarily pro-comp. Um, but things have gotten swapped out and, and, uh, and upgraded over the, over the years and, and whatnot. And there's been a little bit of fabrication and a lot of customization and stuff. And in fact... Um, I've been texting back and forth with a with a guy uh, through uh, NAXJA, North American XJ Association, who I'm picking up a, s- a full set of adjustable control arms uh, this evening. Uh, after you and I are done, I'm going to go get some new shiny for myself, and uh, Jeep is going to get another upgrade. So those are uppers or lowers, or yes? Uh, both uppers and lowers. Um, the the up there and they're used. Um, and aside from the initial lift kit, when I when I first uh, after I first got the Jeep. Um, many of the components that I've put on that have been used. Um, I've done a lot of research and due diligence in a constant search for the right deal of the right kind of part that I want to do for you know whatever I'm you know focusing on at that point, whether it be you know transfer case or axle or or what have you, and trying to you know get something used um, that is in great condition and that is that I want. Um, versus buying new and, and not being able to afford something else at the same time. Um, so uh, although I'd, much, I'd love to do a long-arm upgrade right now, um, or, and I've been toying around with the idea of doing drop brackets for the control arms, um, right now adjustable control arms, uh, both upper and lower, uh, used and in good condition will net me more gain in the long run than you know, dumping a bunch of money into a long arm kit and not being able to do something else, like also upgrading my tie rod at the same time. Right. So essentially, you know, here in the next you know week or two, uh, most of the front end on that thing is going to get you know get redone. Yeah, I probably will be going with a long arm in the future, but <clears throat> I had kind of the same the same situation where I wanted to get rid of the uh, the fixed uh, lower control arms that came with the rough country lift that I got. And at the same time, I wanted to, to change out the upper control arm. So I, <clears throat> I got uh, some uh, uppers and lowers from my, uh, our, one of our vendors 
Iron Man 4x4 fab, and uh, they're they're just absolutely great. I mean, my God, pure beef. But, yeah, I've I've looked at those, and and those are probably in in my top two or three uh, as far as you know what I would be getting if I was to buy brand new. Yeah, and Andy's like uh, 25, 27 years old. He has a oh, is he really? He's got a wonderful work <laughs> ethic, yeah, much better than anything I had at that age. I and, would not have expected a work that because I've actually we've emailed back and forth a couple of times, and uh, I had no idea he was he was younger because oh he's, yeah he's he, a young guy uh, has a young uh, a young child and uh, I'm Facebook friends with him uh, on my uh, my personal Facebook uh, account and uh, I see pictures of uh, his kid he's doing always doing stuff with his kid and he's doing these races uh, the e cores I think is what it is. And uh, plus, he's uh, busting ass building uh, all this uh, uh, Jeep stuff all the time. I, it's just a lot of maturity, a lot of really good work ethic, and he has a uh, at least with me, he has a wonderful customer service. But but anyway, the the thing that got me was just how wonderful the the parts are that uh, that I have, and, and and actually, I have a full set of upper control arms that I need to put on the TJ uh, from him, and they have improved. Not necessarily in the quality of of the welding and the the tubing that he uses, but his paint. the The paint looks like something you'd get from some fifty year old company that's you know uh, parting the stuff out to be painted. It is really nice. So, <laughs> well, he's been he's been doing this for a little while now, and yes. I I think he's at the point where you know he's he's fabricated and sold uh, enough pieces to where. You know, he's not only been able to to up, you know, improve uh, his manufacturing capabilities, but his technique as well. Because uh, uh, and there, obviously, you know, you're, what you've gotten firsthand uh, sort of you know proves that. And I would imagine that kind of goes across the board with with uh, you know many people that are you know doing that sort of thing. You know, little mom pa, if you will, you know, backyard fabricators trying to you know make stuff for the locals. Yep, it really has been nice, and and obviously, I think that the, his engineering and welding skills was the his primary focus, and uh, but the painting uh, is the finishing of the product, and it's it's a there wasn't anything wrong with the paint before. It's just a stark contrast from the control arms I got for my Jeep, and then the ones that I saw that uh, you know he sent to me a couple of months ago for the TJ. It just like I said, it's just like uh, looking at something from from Rough Country or Rubicon Express or. So on and so forth, just a lot more beef to it. But any, mm-hmm. but anyway, yeah, uh, I didn't mean to get you off on a different tangent. I was just thinking uh-huh. about about Jeep parts and got excited. I, I, I uh, I'm always thinking about Jeep parts, and <laughs> I always get excited when I do. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Luckily enough, I, you know, I'm I'm able to spend most of my day in front of a computer for what I do for a living, and so, um, you know, I'm I'm constantly fighting the urge to. Uh, you know, go look and you know, window shop, if you will, for this, that, and the other thing, and and but I do, anyways. I always give in, um, as many of us do when it comes to our jeeps, and uh, so I'd, I'd like to think, you know, I've got my my finger on the pulse of the jeep community when it comes to parts and stuff, and um, I actually have a, a friend. A go, sorry, going off on another tangent here. Um, a friend who recently became the Northwest uh, representative for Metal Cloak, uh, who is uh, they they do stuff for uh, TJs and JKs and stuff. Um, some really impressive uh, fender work and stuff like that, and uh, so it's, it's kind of the newest, greatest, latest uh, sort of stuff that's coming out, and and it's kind of neat being able to uh, get a little bit of behind the scenes uh, with that sort of stuff. And although they're not doing anything for XJs right now, how dare they? Um, 
it's still kind of nice to to be able to to get that kind of information before the public does. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I'm really surprised how well the XJ is doing. Um, Twelve years, thirteen uh, or uh, ten years, eleven years after that, they stopped making it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. Uh, some something in me wants to say they killed it for a reason. That maybe it was uh, it was too good a product. Uh, I don't know. I guess the uh, the the German gentleman that took over the uh, uh, Damon and Chrysler is uh, is the one that's responsible for it. And uh, I think they were trying to update and modify things by bringing out the Liberty. But for that, to me, it was just such a, a horrible, wrong way to go. I'm, I'm not a Liberty fan. And, nah, I, uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I'm right there with you. It's, it, it's certainly, it, I, and I think that they were applying to, or, uh, you know, trying to appeal to the, the up and coming soccer mom generation. Oh, the yuppies. It's just like yeah. the grands. It, the, it's the yuppie audience. Not a I, fan I, of the, nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to the mall. There's nothing wrong with going to the grocery store. And I understand that they they still have the Wrangler. They've they've maintained the the whole Wrangler mystique and and done a lot done a lot of good things, but they didn't have to have just one uh, very capable off road uh, vehicle. And I know that the argument about the the trail tested Liberty, the trail tested Grand Cherokee, but give me a break. If it's an off road vehicle, it needs to be square. Yeah. Yeah, they and and uh, I, you know, I've always said you know Jeeps uh, have the most capable four wheel drive system on the planet, and I you know I'll stand behind that any day of the week. Um, and, and you know, yeah, there is that argument. Oh, the trail tested, yada yada. Um, but the Cherokee, and still being so long after you know it's you know, stopped, they stopped manufacturing it, being so successful for so many years in the aftermarket, uh, and geez, they made so many of them. Um, you know, it, I think hindsight is always twenty twenty, and I'm sure there's somebody that has you know been kicking themselves in the shorts, you know, as to why they never really continued the line. I hope so. If not, I'd be happy to be the person doing it. Oh, <laughs> I'll take a number. <laughs> Especially with the four and I understand the the gas mileage thing, but yeah, you know, sometimes there's there's something better than gas mileage. Well, reliability uh, first and foremost. I mean. Um, you know, everybody says, oh, they're the only, you know, engines out there that are worth 300,000 miles or, you know, the Toyotas and, and, you know, I, I balk at anybody that says that I was, you know, I, I know several guys that are, are running, you know, are pushing 300 K or more on older model XJs. Um, and granted they're, they're not the most, uh, you know, smog friendly or, or driveway friendly, uh, vehicles. They might, you know, leave a spot here and there, but, um, but they're still running and they will continue to run. I mean, my Jeep's got 200 and, uh, 210, 212,000 miles on it right now, and, and going strong. It doesn't, it doesn't drip a drop. It, it, there's nothing that leaks. Uh, it doesn't smoke, uh, and it purrs like a kitten. Now, wait a minute. Whenever you, you got this thing, it had 111,000 miles on it? Yeah, roughly, give or take. And you've put 100,000 100, miles on in three years? Yeah, a few road trips, um, and I've got, <laughs> I've got a 60... I've got a, thir- a thirty-mile commute each way to work, um, and so I, you know, I mean that's sixty miles a day, plus, uh, not including you know side trips to grocery stores and and right now for the last year um, this Jeep has been our only vehicle, uh, so you know there's you know trips to and from school and and our, you know extracurricular activities and 
the in-laws, they, they live in, you know, the next town over, which is, you know, a 30, uh, 30 minute drive. And, and so, uh, it gets driven a lot. Uh, and you know, the, the pocketbook takes a big toll on it because there's a lot of gas going through that Cherokee. Well, man, that is incredible. That's an incredible amount of mileage. And, you know, uh, we're going to have to have you back because what I'd like to do, my, my next question was going to be, what all have you replaced? But we're, we're running out of time <laughs> because uh, like I've promised the audience, I'm going to try to not let these interviews go too long, but which is actually, I guess, kind of good because a re- you've been a great guest. I really would like to have you back and we can talk more about your hundred over 100,000 miles in three years and what that... I have this theory that whenever you run a vehicle that hard, that things wear out faster. So we'll uh, we'll leave it as a question uh, for a follow up as far as what you've had to replace, if anything, uh, <laughs> for our for our next uh, interview down the road. Was there uh, anything that you wanted to wrap up with, Josh? Uh, not particularly. Hey, Tony, I, I you know I love uh, love the show. I'm glad you brought uh, brought brought the podcast back. Glad you're back behind the mic. Uh, the website's doing great, um, and uh, you know there's there's a huge Jeep community out there online, um, and it uh, looks like you're uh, you're definitely uh, getting your own niche set here pretty well. So, uh, congrats on the website. Congrats on the podcast, man. And thanks for having me on. Hey, I really appreciate it, and I, I want to also say thank you for being involved in this because. It makes a huge difference from being behind the mic uh, seemingly by yourself. I think people were listening. I just wasn't getting very much input, and uh, I wasn't getting very much uh, uh, people jumping in and, and helping. And uh, like I said, it makes it a lot more fun for me, and I think it makes it a lot more fun for the audience to uh, to hear other people and just everyday people with Jeeps. You don't have to be any, anybody special uh, to be a Jeep owner and to, to take it off road. And, and, uh, and I think that's the whole message of XJ talk. Well, Josh, thanks again. And, uh, really would like to have you back sometime. It'd be my pleasure. Well, that's another show guys. I want to thank you for uh, tuning in and, uh, <laughs> it's hard to stay away from the radio terminology, isn't it? It's a podcast. There's no tuning. There's just press and play. It's like whenever I was doing this with the tape recorder back when I was uh, 13 years old. It's the same thing. Technology's changed, and certainly the Internet makes it a lot easier, whereas I would have had to make multiple copies of uh, cassette tapes and pass them around. But it's basically the same thing. Anyway, it was great talking to Josh. Uh, it's uh, The thing that's, that's interesting is Josh is just talking about his Jeep. And that's what we do on xjtalk.com. We just talk about our Jeeps. We, we share our experiences uh, of, of what we've learned, what we've experienced. And some of it's funny, some of it's sad. And we learn from it and we go forward. And that's kind of what this podcast is about. It's taking that, that thing that we do on xjtalk.com and bring it in into an audio format. Um, I know many of you just spend a lot of time on xjtalk.com. So uh, this may be, I don't know, hopefully another supplement, another avenue for you to occupy your time but uh, with uh, more XJ Talk stuff. But we really want you on xjtalk.com. I want you to come over there and post. If you're not a member, we want you to join. Don't forget about our, uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash xjtalk. We're on Twitter. Uh, twitter.com slash xjtalk 
And then, uh, of course, you can call in uh, questions and uh, comments. Uh, of course, questions probably would be better suited for the, <laughs> for the forum, but you can certainly do the, the questions. Do you have a question or comment that you'd like to hear on the show? Just call 530-675-4102 any time of the day or night and leave it on our voicemail. So hopefully we'll have some better news about my engine next week, which I know you're just terribly, terribly concerned about. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks. And uh, until next week, have a uh, happy and, uh, uh, well, exciting week if you want it to be exciting. wanted to tell you about xjtalk.com. It's a great site. There's no bashing. Everybody's nice and friendly. Great place to be.